80% of the kids that go missing are groomed online first. What's shaking? Welcome back to All In. I'm your host, Rick Jordan. And today we're going to get down with a very serious topic, human trafficking. And the guest that I'm bringing on in just a second, her and I actually know each other really, really well, and we're really good friends. So there's some fun lightheartedness that we were just having before the show. And we're going to try to keep that during the show, but there's some things that just need to get out there too. And we just need to be real today. So I'm setting the tone that this is just going to be real because this is what everybody needs to understand about what's going on that's in the world right now and how we can be a part of it. So my go, my guest is founder and CEO of Global Education Philanthropists, public speaker, educator. I've cried when I've seen her speak on stage myself and fighting human trafficking through education because it doesn't stop at the rescue, even though she does get involved hardcore in the rescues. Cami Bowker, hello. Hi, thank you for having me. It's great to be here. I'm. Uh, I'm really grateful that you came on today because we've had conversations around this. We were just talking that I was, you interviewed me for the digital side of the documentary. You just, that, that's going to be a Netflix, right? That isn't even in the bio, but you have a doc that's going on Netflix here in yeah, a bit we're, too. Yeah, we're doing big things. So yeah, thank you for your help with that. I'm so pumped. And we're going to do some filming for a doc that I'm in on cybercrime, uncovering the dark web. And just around this, you know, because like I said, you heard me, you know, we, we're going to get down to the real, real today. And my side is that, you know, I can talk about the dark web all day, but really what happens is that that's just the transaction point. There still has to be delivery of the goods, which is where you really rock that world. Yeah, you know, working in human trafficking for so long, I've watched it kind of um, evolve over the last almost five years. And the digital piece, it's all starts there. You know, um, I've gone some, to some different countries recently and, you know, you go to these red light districts, even in our country, actually, but people are gone. They're not necessarily there like they used to be. Everything is transactional online. So, you know, the Internet's changed the way that we do everything, the way we buy our clothes. It's also changed the way that, you know, arms, drugs and people and organs are sold. For sure. And I just did an episode just a little bit ago. I think it published this two weeks back on digital fashion. You know, and how Snapchat now can actually track your entire upper body rather than just your face. Uh, so when you're using filters and all that, this is the next gen of AI. You can actually put on digital makeup or you can make yourself look thinner just in real time on Snapchat filters. Or, you know, for younger girls, I mean, legit, like give yourself boobs, I'm sure is where that's going to go. You know, it's a, a mad, we know that Snapchat and other things, Roblox, we've talked about all the digital side before. It's just... It's grooming grounds. Yep. If you're a predator and you wanted to get a kid, where are you going to go? To where the kids are at, right? So I was just in Ireland giving a uh, public speaking to a, just a community full of teenagers and their parents. I had them come and sit down and talk with me. And I wanted to know their perspective on the digital trafficking piece. And um, they actually were like, no, why would somebody ever try to get my identity? No one really cares where I'm at. I'm trying to give them some of the information I learned from you and learned along the way about like how accessible all of our information is. And then I showed them a clip of a, I'm, I'm a fellow, you know, an ex-teacher, but it was a teacher from prison. And he was just saying on there, hey guys, this is where I should be. I can't, if I got out of prison, I couldn't stop myself, but I could get kids 
every day between five and six of them a day, brand new kids on any of the games that you guys play. And they would only take it maximum. He's only a day, but maximum eight days for a kid as young as seven to agree to come meet me. Wow. And it, it was so shocking to the parents and to the kids. And almost every time I talk to like a group of people, either their parents or their teenagers come and talk to me, well, this is happening. What do you think of this or that? And half the time we have to actually get law enforcement involved because it's, there's validity to the threat. So it's, it's something that people don't understand um, how viable, how real this threat is. Right. And uh, sometimes I just like to show the kids being a mom, being a grandma, I want to protect our kids. And that's the basis of our documentary is showing them real life stories of things like you were saying, like on Snapchat, you know, we worked on a case, in the, in the States here. Um, and the girl thought all of this stuff was gone off of Snapchat, just like every other kid does. And it wasn't, we can act, get, grab all that back. Right. And to watch the conversations that she thought had been deleted and watch all of that go down. Um, but luckily we were able to find, you know, the trafficker that had her. So we made a fake uh, Snapchat profile and we said, Hey, to him, he said, Hey, back thinking I was just a strange girl, whatever which I am, but like, you know, this is just a stranger. And, <laughs> and he said, send me nude. And she's like, it was like, Hey, Hey, send me nude. I'm like, so this was a couple years ago. And it dawned on me. That's the reality of, of where our kids are at. Hey, Hey, send me nude. So when I was just in Ireland, I was talking to the kids and I said, Hey, do people ask you for nudes like every day? And they're like, yes. And all their parents were just like, mm-hmm. like, what are you serious? Their jaws drop. And it's interesting. The more and more I learn what, um, threats our kids have and how they're maneuvering on the internet. It's just fascinating that there's still a huge barrier between what their parents know and the life that our kids lead. And we need to help our kids understand the real threat because they, they know that us parents don't know and they're right. We really don't understand. For sure. I'm excited. You know, a lot of my demographic is a younger demographic that listens too. you know, so they're going to be at the point soon to where they're going to have kids if they don't have very young kids right now. And this is something that's legit. It's real. And even when their kids reach the seven year old mark, you know, or they might have seven year olds right now, really, really young kids. And it's just real. And this is something that we cannot brush under the rug. And it's not something that we can just pretend doesn't even exist because it's there right in front of us. But education, I know, is your big thing. I'm curious because I've heard your story before. And you mentioned just a little bit, you're like, you, you were a teacher, you know, and that's great. You're educating around human trafficking now. But how the hell did you go from that and get into this? You know, <laughs> can you tell us your story a bit? It's so crazy. You know what I mean? I think like, it's funny you say that because I had someone ask me that recently and I compartmentalize where I'm at with my life and you forget, and you look back and I had to describe this recently and it hit me really strongly lately. How do you go from teaching fifth grade science and math and STEM to like going into the tunnels or talking to the bloods and the crypts and like, how does it happen this way? And, you know, now on a, like an almost daily, unfortunately basis, we get a call from our attorney general saying, Hey, we have a girl. Can you help? Dot, dot, dot. And it's like, how do you go from, um, remember that one time I used to teach long division to this. Um, I started my organization with work. I was working on my admin credentials to be a preschool principal. And I started this organization to build schools in third world countries. Cause I knew we were so blessed in the States. Um, I knew my kids and students were entitled. I'd watched the um, atmosphere of the educational system change over about 15 years. And I thought there's so many children in this world that would be so grateful to have what we have. And so I knew I had a huge network of teachers here in the States that we could go together and just go like build schools and help kids learn STEM and all the cool stuff that we had. So I started thinking that's what we were going to do. And I went to Haiti 
And I went to the largest orphanage in the country and the kids in that orphanage were victims of trafficking. And I had never heard that word really. I didn't know what it meant, but I knew that I had to help those kids get access to education or that would happen to them again. So I went to their school and built, did, built a STEM lab, a computer lab, vocational trades. And we still do that. We still make sure that victims get access to entrepreneurship opportunities to learn how to run a business, how to provide for themselves. And so that's my story. I started working really deeply in the Caribbean for the first couple of years. Well, when, as soon as, so as soon as I landed and I went to this orphanage by myself, don't ever do that. Don't go to Haiti by yourself as a, you know, a young girl with a backpack on. If you're listening, do not do this. That was very dangerous. I would not suggest anyone do it again. But I was so changed by what I was hearing had happened to these kids. There was 200 kids in this orphanage and they all had very similar stories. I couldn't understand how this, this terrible sex trafficking happened to these sweet, sweet kids. So I literally dropped what I was doing and just, I've been on a, a five-year long research project of this monster. So I worked in Haiti and the Dominican Republic and tried to follow the story of some of these kids and, try, and made relationships with law enforcement, with aftercare centers, with, um, trying, with other organizations that are doing good things to try to understand what happens. Why is this going on so much? And so I spent a couple of years there just really, really deep into the anti-trafficking work with my hands on. Uh, you know, helping women and kids get back on their feet and get them to safety because some of the aftercare centers aren't necessarily safe. And then um, people heard I was in the anti-trafficking world in the States and pulled me in on the, in the stuff in, the, in our country. And it's just as bad here as it is over there, if not worse here. And it's because of the digital trafficking piece and because we don't talk about it. And so um, it's been a life changer, you know, going to like all, most of us can you know, compartmentalize like, yeah, there's something really sad going on in Haiti or Africa or, you know, some other village far away. But to understand that the threat really is in our own neighborhoods and our own communities. Like I was just helping out with the Super Bowl sting, right? Um, there was leading up to that, working with organizations, 30,000 online ads soliciting sex with minors for that weekend. Oh my God. 30,000. That's the worst weekend of the year too, isn't it? Super Bowl yeah. weekend. Yep. So it's like, in other countries, it's like in front of you, you can see all this disastrous stuff happening. But in our country, it's all digital. It's just like, you know, and then I went on the ground there and I saw these locations where there was over 500 illicit businesses set up for sex with minors for that weekend. Wow. And I saw in our own country, it's still, it's still shaking, even though I've seen really sad stuff. But I saw men lying down the block for experiences like this like businessmen and people that look just like regular people. And it was really, really hard to grasp such a thing. But in the organizations that were working with that sting, set up call centers at churches and just started calling on these ads. Law enforcement was involved. And it was just shocking to me to see how much transaction happens online before they actually meet up. And it's, it is overwhelming. Yeah. That's crazy. I, It's catching me a little bit too. <laughs> I'm starting to visualize in my head and that's uh, that's why I kind of look off into the distance for anybody who's watching on YouTube. But if you're just listening to this, whether you have sons, daughters, it doesn't matter. Even the gender, you know, I, I used to think that, you know, my daughter, you know, that that's when I, I remember holding her because she was a twin, right? And I remember holding her and she was just born at five pounds, six ounces, you know, which is actually pretty big for a twin <laughs> at 37 weeks and looking down at her and it's like, I'm, I'm never going to let anything happen to you. Yeah. And now that she's 13 and beautiful and five ten, you know, <laughs> it just, you look at her and it's like, I've educated her for the past several years and all these things. So she gets on 
Roblox, you know, a few years ago, and I, I just explained to her, I'm like, this is what happens in being in cyber. You know, like they can understand that those that are on there, they're really like dudes like me that are on this app that are trying to seduce you and get you to meet up with them. Have you ever had an experience like that? She goes, sometimes there's some weird people that come on, dad. And I just stepped her through it. And within just five minutes, she goes, I'm never going to play this again. I never asked her to delete the app. I never asked her to not play it. It was just educating her. That's it on the reality of what this is. Not, I mean, even in just a tone like I'm talking right now, it wasn't like coming down like a passion or anything. It's just her name's Ariel. It's like, Ariel, this is, this is the reality of this. This is how it is. And you need to know, you know, because I, I also feel that as parents, we tend to underestimate our kids. And I say this a lot too, and underestimate their levels of comprehension, their levels of understanding, levels of being able to process certain types of information that we deem as just only adult type conversation, you know, to where it's a beyond their emotional or physical maturity level or mental maturity level. And I, I say bullshit to that because if they're being groomed as young as seven, and it only takes eight days when they're seven years old, you can't wait. We really can't. You know, as a teacher, when I was working on my admin credentials, I studied how the brain learns, how kids' brain learn at Stanford. And what hit me, what reason I started my documentary work was we were working with an organization that gets kids out by the vanfuls in Asia. And, you know, sometimes culturally, it's just the cultural culture to have your kids be sold and go work in a rice field, right? And this organization gets literally hundreds of kids out at a time. And it dawned, I was just thinking of these sweet kids' faces and it dawned on me like, until that kid was in that field, it was with his mom and his siblings and then his life was changed. And until he was gone and until it was too late, he didn't know he was the target. And I thought, you know what, dang it, kids are amazing. Their brains are amazing. They will do anything, like if you teach them, they can, they'll, be, they'll be able to you know, maneuver through this minefield that we call the internet. They're on this battlefield without any shield, any protection, without any way to defend themselves, without understanding that they're the target, that there's a million dollar price tag on their back and they don't know. But if we can let them know, we're not going to take over their games, their phones or whatever, but we're going to give them the knowledge so that they can be empowered because they will do amazing things. Like your daughter, you didn't have a big blow up fight. You, she just was able to come to realization for herself. And now hopefully she can look out for other kids too. Because right now, parents don't know and the kids don't know. But if we can teach them, they, they can have conversations, like you said, at their age level of what's appropriate online. And I remember, like, you told me, like, don't give your kids under 18 months a screen or just different things like that. It's having these conversations that instead of being buried in our own screen, right? Because okay, we're all guilty of it. I know I am. I'm on my screen all the time doing work. And then I notice that my kids will pick, my teenagers especially will pick up their phone if I'm on mine. And so... It's just having these conversations to prevent because a seven-year-old thinks that this person on the other side of that screen is our friend. And so does it a 10-year-old, an 11-year-old. And then our behaviors of how are we acting online? What are we, what is your profile telling people? So I started, after that Super Bowl sting, I just was so mad. Like all of the things I saw, it made me furious. And I had a couple of news interviews and finally I was like, listen, okay, here's what I'm saying. After you see 30,000 online ads soliciting sex with minors, you get pretty mad. And when you go out there and you get these ladies where you helped pull them out and they asked to get out to all of these things, it just made me so furious that until people, until it's too late, people don't know that they're the target. Or on the flip side, people are using their social media to look like a sex symbol and expecting their kids not to. So this is my call to every mom 
and every adult, if you're using your social media profile to be a sex symbol, why would you expect that any kid looking up to you wouldn't do the same? So not that you are, uh, you know, trafficking by doing that. And I know that some might seem sparse, you know, far-fetched and I have a really jaded outlook, but we have to be more conscious about our behaviors online and what happens um, because we're really per- perpetrating the problem. You know, I see all these videos of these moms and their kids dancing in front of the screen. And I'm thinking, you guys, you don't understand that like pedophiles are watching you and your daughter dance. So I've had people that have applied for jobs with me. And I say, yeah, if you go take off all of your inappropriate pictures on your Instagram, come back and apply for us again, because we're going to use the internet to be amazing and empower light and love and, you know, help make this world a better place instead of lowering the vibration of the internet and just over-sexualizing everything. Now, I just may not be popular saying that, but I'm going to tell you right now, if there's something you want to do, that was like, oh my gosh, I love this cause. I want to help you look at your own behavior online. Wow, yeah. that's powerful. There's a couple of times while you were saying that, I just wanted to drop a mic because it's a, it is, I know, it's the example that we're setting for our kids. And, it, you know, whether you're refusing to have the conversation or you're refusing to change your behavior as a parent or as a role model, shame on you because it's the kids of this world are just looking up to you. And now it's time to take action because if you don't, they're going to be the next person that's trafficked. Uh, Yeah, think about leaving a legacy for your family, right? Like with our business or maybe with spiritual rituals, you guys are like, go to a church or whatever legacy or whatever your family does. You think about what are we leaving our kids? We're going to one day exit our businesses, exit this life. And what do we have to leave for them? Hopefully a a legacy of light and love and using the internet to be great. Not our grandkids looking at our inappropriate pictures online. Right on, right on. It's still crazy to me how you went from teacher to this whole thing. And it's because it, it, when I introduced you at the beginning of the show, you know, it, it was fighting human trafficking through education because it doesn't stop at the rescue. And even though we've talked a lot about education thus far, what you and I are doing when we actually film, and this is why we're filming this part for the documentary that I'm putting together here on cybercrime, is because legit, you go into tunnels, full gear, bulletproof vests, pistol, sidearm, and an AR, you know, <laughs> ready to rescue kids. And there's even calls that I've gotten from you in the middle of yeah. a mission. Exactly. Saying, I, I need an address. I've got a Netflix login some, from somewhere around here tied to this phone number. Can you tell me where this is at? Yeah. Yeah. You know, when I started in the States, I didn't, I wasn't properly trained at first. Um, I went with a survivor leader into San Diego and doing street outreach um, she was trafficked there for almost 30 years with some really, really high uh, profile people. And um, she had an organization that has an aftercare center a couple states away from California. And so she was one of the people that had heard what I'm doing. And so she's like, we want to help with rescues in California. I'm like, heck yeah, let me go with you. But I just went from Haiti. I thought if I can handle Haiti and DR, I can handle anything. Wrong, 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 wrong. We went um, every two weeks for quite a while, a couple of years into the into the, onto the blade where the girls are outstanding. Um, and there's the bloods and the cribs. There's all these, I mean, I've gone in and looked right at a gang member and grabbed a, a girl from him and not knowing this was before I was properly trained. So here I am going rogue, like a psychopath. <laughs> who's banking that my guardian angels are going to help me through. Thank they have. Yes. But, then, but then somebody's a, they're not my friends heard, heard of it. And they're like, um, you should probably be properly trained. I'm like, what the heck does that even mean? And so once I had the education and the proper training and certifications, now I understand that there's a proper way to do it. 
but I didn't always do it the right way. And so I was a uh, pretty rogue. I didn't know. I did. So do not do any of these things. <laughs> so dangerous. But now we have, you know, teams all over the world that we collaborate with. Our own teams are building. Um, we always need people in the fight to help in different ways. But yeah, going from teacher to like, you know, Come on, give me the kid. <laughs> yeah, the human trafficking commando. Yes. <laughs> I think it's the lack of understanding how much in danger I was that helped me through some of those times. Um, but now it's much different and very calculated. And you work closely with law enforcement and social workers, and that's how you're supposed to do it. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> There's a <laughs> gosh. What's Good Lord. I think about, I'm envisioning you. I mean, were you brunette or blonde at that point in time? I was blonde hair and I got like the meanest teacher stare, scary eyebrows I could muster up. (laughs) And I have a teacher voice that could like bring a whole entire gym of high schoolers to a standstill. And if I had to, I was going to pull that sucker out. But it's funny because I've always um, approached this with love and outreach and humanitarianism. And so even when we're in those dangerous situations, I always had outreach um, necessities of life that even the traffickers would need. And it is shocking that even, you know, seeing them, I'd have like a backpack of supplies. It is interesting. That everyone has a story. Um, but mostly when I was going before I was trained, I would just, we'd go into these areas and do street outreach and bring, um, bring supplies in. And then we'd see what's going on and we, they'd ask for a ride out. So. Wow. Wow. How do you spend your days? Cause obviously you're not going in in tunnels or in the streets, you know, in, in full gear every single day. You know, but what do you, what do you spend your time doing besides podcasts like this? Oh gosh. Um, well, it depends. That's a really good question. This last week, we've gotten a couple different calls from the attorney general here in Utah. Um, Hey, I got a girl. Can you guys come get her? Cause so we're starting to be known as, um, in, in different States, but right now I'm in Utah, um, as just the, the good guys that are going to go ahead and bring resources and supplies in, a, in case of emergency. And we've also had calls from law enforcement agencies. Hey, we have a girl here that just got away from a trafficker. This also happened this last week. She was on drugs, but she was brave and she got away. Do you guys, can you guys help? Cause they don't really know what to do with her. So our organization has to go in and, you know, she went, I ended up going out back with the trafficker and then we had to get her out again, but the stories are different every time. That's why I'm saying that. So my days are usually pretty planned, but when I get calls like that, you drop everything, you know, and the week before last, we got a call. Hey, there's a 15 year old girl that we just found that was getting gang raped by 20 dudes in this other state. So what do you do? You drop everything. And the team goes. And so we're really, um, we really are gathering some really awesome team members in different cities. So when things like that happen, people just know what to do and they, you know, get called to, to action. But my phone is the one that rings, whether it's the AG calling or a survivor calling that needs, needs to be lifted up. So I, my days, my phone rings 24 hours a day from different survivors um, and just really make sure that they have access to, fo- to food and safe housing because without that, they'll go back. Um, but my, I'm a mom, you know, I like, we're working on a documentary. So I'm, we're constantly working on that during the day. I get up every morning and try to spend some quiet time before my day goes crazy. And sometimes we don't, I don't go to sleep with if, if we get a call. I'm sure Netflix is interested in this documentary too, because it, you see more now, at least over the past year uh, around human trafficking in the mainstream media. And it, it was strange because prior to last year, it was like crickets, nothing. Yeah, I human trafficking, and people be like, ah, yeah, scared. exactly. What, what, why the shift now to where mainstream media is starting to pick up some of these stories about you know two hundred kids rescued, fifty kids rescued? Why now? I think that people being stuck in their homes um, 
have been on their screen all the time, right? Um, I know that the traffickers were calling COVID the time of the harvest because they had access to our kids 24-7 on their screen. That's sick. Yep. So this is like their loving life right now because they can get access to the kids anytime, all day, all night. Um, and so I don't, I can't tell, say why it's going in the media. I'm grateful that conversations are happening so that we can start to protect one kid at a time in our own homes. But um, the traffickers are not slowing down just because we're, you know, different places are on lockdown or they were on lockdown. Um, they're actually, you know, with more people <clears throat> on uh, going to school online, um, they have just never ending access to the kids. Speaking of going online, how has there been anything that you've seen ar around education from the public education community for the kids being at home all the time, being on more just in front of the screen all day now? Because it, I mean, they have to be for e-learning, re remote learning, all that. Have you seen anything at all that the public school system has put out to say, hey, now that your kids are in front of screens more, you should look out for this? Well, my, the attorney for my organization is actually the Utah state legislator for my region. So luckily he calls me a lot on what's happening up at the, up at the Hill there. And he um, actually just signed a bill because what was happening in Utah was the Utah education network is what it's called. How everything that we give our students online or anything they could access through the school districts has to go through UEN, Utah education network. Well, he just for our little County was getting pummeled. I think it was like 1800 emails of triple X videos and pictures showing screenshots of what these young kids are having access to because people are getting into the UEN network. And so they are, they uh, came up with a bill and what prosecution would be like if you got tried to get in and all of this. So yes, I know at the capital level they're working. I know at the state level with curriculums, they're working on educational pieces, uh, but I know that it also has to start at home. Um, being a teacher, we'd have like white ribbon week, like about pornography, you know, or, dare talking about not doing drugs. And at the end of the day, as a teacher, you teach content because your, your salary in, in essence relies on test scores. So we can't even, we can't rely on the schools, but at the same time, you know, to teach our kids everything. So at the same time we have, we, we want, you know, our kids to have an awesome education, but we have to still be parents because they can have all these things in place and bad guys or whatever you want to call them. I call them bad guys can still get, you know, around all of the firewalls we think are there. For sure. So as a parent, you're saying we can't rely on anybody else to parent our kids except ourselves. Yeah. Is that wild? That is wild. I know, right? Such a crazy idea. What WTF. Good Lord. <laughs> I know. What the heck? <laughs> I kid somebody else can't parent my kid. Okay. Come on. Okay. Please tell them not to watch porn. I'm going to go in and dance in front of the video in my bikini, but don't watch porn, kids. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> you have to add some humor to this. And I, like I said you at the beginning, to, to set the tone. Crazy. Yeah, it's such serious stuff, but and it's so real. But some of the things that happen that cause kids to be put in these predicaments is just stupidity. You know, it's it, like, and it's like, what did you do? So that, you know, I've seen a bazillion times, bazillion is not the actual number, but a lot of times, you know, they get, um, uh, they get, a, what's the word I want? Coerced to send a nude, to send a picture. And then once they have that picture, then they get blackmailed with that picture. Right. I mean, we've seen kids commit suicide over this. We've seen them get leave with someone over it. And really, if we can have these conversations where it's like, okay, kids, I'm going to be probably mad if you, send a nude they're like people are like the kids are mortified that their parents would find out but to have a, a environment in your home where you're like okay well i'll probably be pretty mad but me and your dad or me and your mom or whatever we can handle it but let's come to us and talk to us uh that that would save a lot of lives and a lot of the the things i've seen on the digital side of it 
because it's just everything's so secret and they're just so embarrassed. Sometimes once they get started, then they just keep going. So don't know what else to do. For sure. Now, there's a, there's been a lot of big cases that have come up over the past year or two that have involved some high profile people that have been shown to involve in this. How high does this really go? My opinion, um, I only speak to, you know, you could take it or leave it. I speak to what I think is I've seen firsthand and um, my own inferences, I suppose. But I believe um, pretty firmly that the corruption goes all the way up to, you know, the world governments, to the Supreme Court in our own country, to um, different countries. It's, it's everywhere. Um, if you could think of where are there, um, where is access to pornography? Because that's the root issue. Or you can imagine where there's drug trafficking, there's human trafficking. So most people can say, well, there's probably drugs getting, you know, sold in every neighborhood. If there's drug trafficking, there's human trafficking. So to try to answer the question of where, how high does it go up? I believe it goes to the highest form of, um, of anything that we could be relying on to protect us. But there's also amazing people and, you know, all of the different agencies, but there's people are people and they're corrupt. Just human nature. For sure. From, from a parent's perspective, what are some signs that you can look for in your kids to see if they're being groomed right now? Are there outward signs that they display you know, or, or, you know, behavior changes, whatever, just things to look out for. For sure. I mean, right now it's a little bit different because of COVID and they're on their screens anyways, but one signs a lot, a lot of times is they want to be isolated with their phones by themselves. Um, they might get just grumpy. They might all of a sudden change their hair color um, or put a visible difference. Like they look different. Um, they're eating, excuse me, their eating habits or behaviors might change. Um, they also might at some point show up with an expensive gift that they couldn't otherwise buy, like a Gucci bag or a laptop or something. Um, they're getting, you know, gifts and they're going to get in debt, a debt you can never pay off. Um, if they, if that is, I've also seen that in video games, like a um, predator will buy a kid, a life or whatever it is, the currency inside that game, and they get in debt to them. And then they are required, quote, required to send them a new, to meet up with them, to pay back what they bought them in that game. Wow. So if, if they show up with gifts or they have just extra things laying around, they shouldn't, even if it's an electronic version, um, with Bitcoin or, I mean, I know as parents, you may not be into your kids' devices, but we should be. And by the way, you pay for that. Most likely your nine-year-old doesn't have a job and doesn't pay the phone bill. That's your phone. I do not agree with the, Oh, that's my child's phone. I shouldn't look at it. It's like, I pay it, you know, and if you have these conversations, there wouldn't be a reason to open up their phone, but they don't know and they're terrified that you don't know and no one wants to talk to anybody because they're scared what's on the phone. It's like, let's just talk about it because it's not their fault. They're the first generation to grow up online. So we can't expect them to know how to you know, maneuver through that. We're all just figuring it out. And they're so young getting exposed to pornography in a way that we as parents never were. So it's not their fault. We need to we let them know, okay, this is the stuff you're going to see and come talk to me about it. Like I'm going to really be bummed that this is the world we live in, but just come to me. And if you're an aunt you know, or an uncle and you don't have kids, be that person for these kids that you have in your life and be a good example. And, you know, they need to talk to somebody because they do bad, like really sad things if they think no one's there for them. They do for sure. I'm really grateful because I, I mean, I didn't have a playbook, you know, I, I just believed in my kids can understand things and I'm not going to hide the real world from them. Yeah, so I, there's a phrase I've always used, and it's when they're old enough to ask the questions, they're old enough to know the answers. So whenever they would ask questions, I mean, from when they were really, really young, it didn't matter what topic it was. You know, if it was deemed as child inappropriate or whatever, if they were asking the question, I would just give them the straight truth. 
give them the answer in a very loving and compassionate way. So anytime this has happened now, because I've spoken with them and I, I'm hoping that anybody listening can maybe use this as an example, you know, rather than saying, Hey, I did a good job. It's like, Hey, I've seen something work. Hopefully it can work for your family too, because it can save your kid's life straight up. It can save your kid's life. My kids have had a phone since they were seven years old all of them. You know, I'm in technology, you know, so I felt that they should adopt it early, but also my kids have been flying to meet me places ever since they were seven by themselves, you know, under the, the guardian, uh, or companion program, whatever it is on the airlines, the unaccompanied minor programs. So to where they're safe and the parent walks them onto the plane and walks them off to the plane where they go just to have good father, son or father daughter time with them when I've been away too on, on traveling. So they had phones ever since they were seven years old. And because of this philosophy that I've had, I really believe that if they're old enough to ask the questions, they're old enough to know the answers. Anytime now that a predator shows up in like a new game that they download, and my oldest, my twins are 13 now, so they're still young. Anytime a predator shows up in one of these because I've taught them how to identify it, they come to me. I don't have to go look for, through their, their phones. They'll come to me and be like, hey, dad, what, is it, what does this mean? How does this look to you? Because to me, it looks a little weird. That's great that they can come to you. Wow, that is so awesome. It's a, you know, it, I don't ever see them wanting to isolate themselves like you're talking about, you know, and like I said, th this isn't, I don't care if you think I'm anybody listening that's, uh, yeah, hey, I'm patting myself on the back. I don't, I don't care because uh, my kids are alive. None of them have been trafficked. And I hope the same is true with your kids. Because these are the only ways to prevent this is actually understanding that your kids have a brain. <laughs> that they can understand these things that you need to tell them to save their life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One time I was giving a public speaking, to, you know, presentation, this cute little old lady was in the front row. And I, the more I go on, she's just getting like more and more mad. And she's like, Oh my gosh, I can't hear this. And Oh my gosh, I can't hear this. And by the end of it, I shared some really serious cases with them. And I'm like, don't you think it'd just be easier if we talk about it? Cause she's like, we can't talk about this. This old gal was about to just, Oh, she was so upset that we were talking about it. And at the end, I'm like, I know that some of you in this room are really uncomfortable with what I've talked about today, but can you imagine that just talking about this stuff with your kids can prevent their, prevent them from being trafficked? It's kind of worth it to have this conversation, have all the yeah. other stuff. <laughs> it's kind of worth the fight with your teenager saying, guess what? I really love you. I want to know who you're talking to. I know that might not be popular and you might hate me for a sec, but it's worth that time, that fight, whatever, to start having these conversations and just know what, who your kids are talking to online. Oh my Might gosh. But. No, I know. And that, that's why, I mean, some of this is going to be hard hitting, you know, I'm sure for, for anybody that's listening and we're, we're just shooting straight. It's just how it is. And this is real life. Hello. If you think it's not going to happen to your kids, that's about, I'm still stuck on this eight fucking days. Eight days. That's At it. Eight days. And it doesn't matter what socioeconomic status you came from. Any kid that even where it's like, you've talked to your kids, like, we need to constantly know who they're talking to online. So that when something pops up, they can go, hey, mom, dad, like, this is weird. But that's not the case in most households. And the predators know that, right? So we have a, a tagline. It's, you can't prepare your, your, the world for you, but you can your, prepare yourself for the world. And that's what we have to do is prepare our kids for the world by educating them on what's happening. And they'll, they'll be fine. They'll, they really will. But if we continue to just drive with our foot on the gas as fast as we can through the fire with our eyes closed, we can't expect that nothing's going to happen to us. 80% of the kids that go missing are groomed online first. So 80%. We should start talking about it. What? Yeah. 
Four out of five kids are groomed online first. Yes. Wake up, parents. Wake up. Yep. This, that is why I get so mad with our behaviors online. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've had to take video, pictures off my own um, Instagram. I'm like, I don't know if I should keep that. That's why I get so frustrated because it's like 80% of these kids, four of these five kids were just online doing the same thing they saw their moms doing, doing the same thing that they saw kids at school doing. And they didn't know that they were going to be, you know, the ones that are getting gang raped by 20 dudes. Like literally there's a better way to get attention than likes. I understand that our, we live in an Insta world and that's a lot of influence on in what we do, but we can still get a lot of likes by not over-sexualizing it because it gets dark fast. Right on, right on. Where can everybody find you? I know you're on Instagram at Cami Bowker, B-O-W-K-E-R. Yes. Where should everybody else go to, to join this fight that we're both in? Yes. So I invite everyone to be a philanthropist and philanthropy doesn't necessarily have to mean money. It's time, talent, treasure, right? I invite everyone to join us. So global education philanthropists, it's a lot of words, global education philanthropists on Facebook and Instagram or globalep.org. Awesome. Thank you for joining me today. This has been an email info at globalep.org too. Nice. We've been, there's more that we can talk about, but I don't know. I'm, I'm just fired up now. And I always get fired up when I talk to you because it's, it's, it's the real yeah, stuff. Don't at me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but it's the same thing. Cause we're, we're on the right side of the table. You and I are, yeah. you know, and we just want kids to survive. It's as simple as that and not be abused. <laughs> Is that so bad? Right. Exactly. And then, you know, for until my last breath, I'm like this life, I'm going to keep fighting for them. Yep. Right and if I have to do stuff that makes people mad. Good. We need some madness. Yeah. Boom. All right. Thank you for being on, Cami. Share this. I'm going to ask everybody that's listening, share this with like 10 people for real, because this episode needs to go crazy, needs to go viral. People need to hear this. Cami said too, if you're an aunt, an uncle, whatever, there's still kids in your life, right? Yeah. Yes. Cami, thank you. Thank you for having me. We're going to save kids just by talking about it on this show. What's shaking? Thank you for joining me on the All In Podcast. Click the subscribe button and smash that bell for notifications. Text me, 312-535-8520. Follow me on social media, at Mr. Rick Jordan. See you next episode. I am Rick Jordan, and I approve this message.